Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. So here, here's a name that tune, or I want you to guess, uh, you can help me with the words here and name the person that sang this, this song. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I say it's clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full and traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, and everybody let's sing it together. I did it my way, right? Who sang it? Good old Frank Sinatra. Um, you know, and I love the end of it. You know, he says, uh, but through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all and I stood tall. I did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed and cried. I've had my fill, my share of losing. And now, as tears, I did it my way. Which is completely antithetical to this passage of Scripture that we've been looking at. Matthew chapter 5. Verses 3 through 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the one we want to look at together today, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The Passion Translation says, What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. The message paraphrase says, you are blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of every, everything that can't be bought. Here's another one. Oh, the bliss of the man or woman who is angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. Who has every instinct and impulse and passion under control. Because he himself is God-controlled, who has the humility to realize his own ignorance and his own weakness, for such a man is a king among men. Don't you wish you knew somebody like that? Maybe it's you. Hopefully it's us. Hopefully what's happening in all of us is that these things are becoming rooted in us. Blessed are the poor and blessed are those who mourn. And now blessed are the meek because that's the root of living as Jesus lived. I mean, I hope we realize that the Beatitudes really are a description of Jesus' values. They're a description of how He lived His life. And basically, He is saying, if you want to enjoy the benefits that I enjoy walking on this planet, then this is the way you do it. This is how you live. It's not something we achieve to. It's something we allow the Lord to root in us so that as we talk about next week, we begin to see things grow, which is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And then as a result, we see the fruits of mercy. We see the, the, the fruit of caring for people as the other Beatitudes express themselves. Uh, ruling your spirit or ruling your spirit is, by definition, meekness. It takes great strength to have self-control and self-discipline. Proverbs 16 says, Whoever is slow to anger 
is better than the mighty, and he rules his spirit. He who rules his spirit, then he takes a city, which is really another way of what Jesus said, inherits the earth. Psalm 37. They are antithetical to what we see in our own lives and see in the lives of people around us. Um, but here's a passage I want you to see, Psalm 37.11, which is the backdrop of Jesus' words, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And that psalm starts with, blessed are those who, who desire after the Lord. And um, I think it was Matthew Henry, the great commentator, he points out that, that in the Latin, which you know the scripture was written in at one point, the meek man was, was called a mansuetus. And there's two words, manu, which means hand, and asuetus, which means used to. So meekness means we're used to the hand of God. We're used to his guiding hand. We're, and also the picture could be we're used to seeing where his eyes are directing us. We're so sensitive to his direction that we can tell by the look of his eyes which way we should go. Kathy and I have been um, watching this series, and when we started watching it, we had no idea. There are 11 seasons, and some of the seasons have like 14 or 15 episodes. And so we'll be watching it till Jesus returns. But I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's on Netflix. It's a, a, a series called Heartland. Anybody ever watch it? It's great. Yeah, and, and, and the basis of the story is it's a, a, a family that lives in Canada, Canadian family uh, that own a horse ranch. And living at the ranch is a grandfather and his, his uh, two granddaughters. And they run the ranch. And the youngest of the granddaughters, who's in her late teens when the, the, the series starts and progresses uh, you know, through graduating through high school and so on, she, she has inherited or has in her DNA the same ability to be a horse whisperer like her mother did. Who had, and her mother uh, dies, I'm going to give away some of this, but her mother has died uh, in, a, in a crash. And so this, this one teenage daughter, Amy, has all the abilities of her mother. So, the, so Heartland becomes basically a, a horse therapy ranch. Because people bring their horses that are out of control, that are jumpers or, or uh, racing horses, or just horses that people want to ride, Mustangs and so on, that, that haven't been trained. And she has this uncanny ability with just a light hand and a soft voice to direct these horses in a way that they begin to follow the lead of their rider and their master. And as we've been watching this series, it's a constant reminder that that's what meekness is about. Meekness is about us being so sensitive to the voice of God and to His hand that it, it, He doesn't have to... How many of you know that sometimes it feels like He has to slap you across the side of the head? You know, like throw a ton of bricks at you. Well, if that's happening, we're not being very meek. We're just being dang stubborn is what that is. But if we're meek, all it takes is just for Him to whisper quietly or to give us just a gentle movement and a reminder, a tap on the shoulder, just go this direction. And it's interesting in Heartland, 
when Amy's training these horses, she'll tell someone, you're gripping the bridle, you're gripping the rein too tight. Don't pull so hard. Be more gentle. And really, at the end of the day, that's the way the Father is. And if we're meek, He doesn't have to pull hard. He doesn't have to restrain us because we're so desperate to follow after Him. Meekness is, as you probably know from looking at this before, meekness is, is controlled, it's controlled strength. It's a temper that's tamed. It's passions that are calm. It's, um, as Danny Silk says in his book, Keep Your Love On, it's learning how to keep your love on when everyone around you is doing something different. The word for meekness, preos, refers to one who's not overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance, but is gentle and humble, unassuming, and displaying meekness in different situations. Thomas Watson, in his, his sermons on the Sermon on the Mount, talk about the definition of weakness being submission to God's will, in contrast to Samuel and Jonah. Think about Samuel says, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. What does Jonah say? Throw me in the ocean because I'm not doing what you want me to do. Submission to God's will. It's flexible, uh, flexibility to God's word. Now happy is, when, happy is the man when the word which be, comes with majesty is received with meekness. So it's reading the word and, and allowing the word to convict us in such a way that we go, wow, I need to adjust. And I'm willing to adjust. Meekness is towards man is because I know at the end of the day the only person that I can control is me. So I don't have to make you more meek. But I need to control, I need to pay attention to what's happening to me and make sure that that's represented in my life. And Preos also describes a person who's not overly impressed by one's sense of self-importance, but one who is gentle and humble and lowly and defers to others and is considerate or mild. It describes a man or woman whose temper is always under complete control. It means power, but power that's put under control. The meek person knows when to be angry and not to be angry. The meek person is the one that 1 Corinthians 13 describes as suffers long doesn't keep a track of wrongs, has love that patiently bears the wrongs of others. It's interesting that when a meek person becomes angry, he or she is aroused by that which doesn't upset them, but what upsets them is that God's name is maligned. It's not about whether I get harmed. It's about whether someone speaks about what God is doing in our lives and in the world. It's not so concerned about our agenda. Meekness is a person that's concerned about his agenda. And people who are angered at every nuisance or inconvenience to themselves are not displaying and maybe don't really know anything about meekness. And so if we're realizing that as we look at this once again, I don't want us to feel a sense of condemnation and a sense of guilt about it, but it's an opportunity for us to go down in the root system of our soul and realize, wow, you know, maybe there's some things that are out of adjustment. You know, whether it's 
losing our temper with somebody on the road or losing our temper with someone in our family or someone at work or not displaying control in situations when people are spinning out of control. And it's not just about losing our temper. It's just being able to maintain the Spirit of the Lord is. Because if we maintain weakness, I mean not weakness, but meekness, if we maintain it, as we were seeing earlier, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if I'm carrying meekness, that means that I bring the Spirit of the Lord in a situation, and instead of people feeling under bondage, they feel freedom. That's the example that Jesus set for us, Matthew chapter 11. If we can look, look at those verses again, we've looked at them so many different times. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. It's the same word. I am praos, I'm meek, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That wooden frame that was put on the animals, on the oxen, was put in such a way that the oxen could plow through a field and when they were done, you wouldn't know that they had the yoke upon them. The skin would not be rubbed raw. There would not be red markings. There would not even be an impression of the yoke. And the only reason there is an impression on us when we yoke ourselves to Jesus is Jesus is going that way and we're going the other way. And then we wonder, how come things are so hard? And Jesus says, well, if you'll just take my yoke and follow my lead and be meek and gentle like me, you'll find out that the way is always easier. And so, in order for us to manifest meekness, we need to yoke ourselves to Jesus, for He's the essence and the epitome of meekness. I want you to think about Three major characters of the Scriptures. Think about Moses. The Scripture says that Moses, it describes Moses as the meek, meekest person on the earth. Now, you wonder about that because there's times that Moses lost his temper with the Israelites. But as they were complaining against him, he continued to lead. He continued to press on. He didn't, he didn't turn his back and quit on the people. And it says at the end of the story that after all that Moses had done for them, God's people were thinking about killing him. So the question for all of us this morning is that when we are faced with opposition, in fact, we're not going to be killed, I don't think, but in a week from Tuesday, when, when you know, Jeff and Jay and I you know, go into a classless meeting where some, some may be opposed to our petition to leave the RCA. Please pray for us to have meekness. Doesn't mean we're weak. Doesn't mean we're mushy or wishy-washy. But it means we're strong with the gentle spirit of Jesus. Praying that God would help us disarm those in opposition with the Spirit of Jesus. David. You know, David had these guys, uh, the Shimei, the Scripture says, was a thorn in David's side. He cursed continually, 
And it says he even threw stones at David. I mean, that's like, you know, maybe that's the way you feel about Governor Cuomo or de Blasio or Trump, whoever it might be. Maybe you'd like to throw a few stones. But the message of this passage of this beatitude is even when we're provoked, we're agitated by others that are in our lives, we learn to display meekness. And it says at the end of the story, after David went through all of this, it says, David showed meekness towards Shimei and said, leave him alone, he said, and let him curse. That's crazy. I don't know if I have that kind of courage or meekness in my life to say, let him, let him rant. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't, it's not necessary because at the end of the day, that's their problem. At the end of the day, the most important person to control is me. And then Paul displays complete meekness when he shows up, at my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all had deserted me. And so we have to display meekness when we're disappointed. <clears throat> Anybody here ever been disappointed by another person? Raise your hand. Everybody has. And that's really a difficult time for us to display meekness because what's our normal reaction when someone disappoints us? What do we want to do? Huh? Retaliate? Yep. Give up on them? Say, that's it. I'm not taking that anymore. But if you consider the Lord's meekness towards us, how many times how many times should he have given up on us? But time after time, he allows us to come back. And even when we've disappointed him, he receives us back. And in fact, often, most often, he receives us back a hundredfold from what we experienced before. When we live in a spirit of meekness, Jesus said we inherit the earth. And that means that I give up control and I trust the pathway the Lord has laid out for me. And then open, this horizon opens up and I, I see something completely different than I expected. I learn to let Him be my defender. I love Psalm 16 and verses 5 and 6. I don't think I have this in PowerPoint, but it says the Lord is my chosen portion of my cup you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I've been thinking about a lot lately with a lot of changes that, you know, the election, um, the changes we're going to be going through as a church, just all of those transitions. And, uh, you know, I think it causes me to enter into a time of reminiscing. And I think I've mentioned this before. I've argued with the Lord at times about why, why Lord, and, and probably Kathy's argued with the Lord more about this than me, I'm, I'm sure. Why is it that some of my friends got to stay in the same place for 45 years? I've been doing this for 45 years. And some of my friends still live in the same place and they're with their families and all those things and with the same people except for the ones that moved away. But we were always the ones that have moved away. 
But then as I think back, and Kathy and I have talked about this, we have so many different friends across the country. And the reality is, everyone, no matter what happens in the next months and next years ahead, God has laid out lines for us and caused us to intersect in our lives together. And those lines, according to the Scripture, have fallen in pleasant places. And then we recognize with meekness that when we see those lines, we go, wow. As we look at one another, we say, Lord, in that person, you have given me a beautiful inheritance. Because I've had the privilege to get to know people that I never would have had a chance to know. Because of God's sovereignty of bringing us together in different ways. The other thing about meekness is this. It's a learning... Even when the atmosphere is in, in agitation and turmoil, and how many of you know that the atmosphere is a little bit agitated at the moment? Between COVID and the election and everything that's going on, just, just life in itself. And when I was a headmaster and a teacher of middle school, we used to require the kids to memorize different poems. And maybe some of you will rec recognize this one. Let me just go ahead and read most of it. It's written by Rudyard Kipling. And I think it really describes meekness. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal with lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating, yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster, and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves, to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you, except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. If you think about it, and you think about what Jesus did at the cross, if you think about those last days of Jesus' life, when He was faced with the crowds, and He maintained His purpose, when He was betrayed by the disciples, and He was deserted as they all ran from Him, in fear of their lives, he maintained his purpose. 
when he went to the cross and they jammed that crown of thorns on his head and they mocked him and they beat him and whipped him, he maintained his purpose. He had every reason to argue. He was God. He is God. He had every reason to say, what you're doing to me is wrong. Stop, stop, stop. But he didn't. Because he had meekness. He was able to display great power and authority in the midst of what looked like someone giving up. Because he saw something on the other side of the cross that he wants all of us to see. And I love what Psalm chapter 2 says, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of your earth, the ends of the earth your possession. And isn't that exactly what Jesus received by going to the cross and dying for us? Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations. Jesus asked of the Father, and guess what he got? He got you and you and you and you and me and all of us as his inheritance. That's what he wants us to do in our own lives, is walk with a spirit of meekness so that he can hand to us things that we didn't earn, we don't deserve, we didn't pay for, we didn't go to school for. We get things that we didn't even know were possible as we walk in meekness because when we walk in meekness, we get to inherit the earth. Now, I've got a whole list of things that I'm not going to go through that I think what I'll do is just send out by email with Scriptures to back these up. Ten strategies for cultivating meekness. And even if I went through them right now, you wouldn't even remember what they were. So I'm going to... And I I debated about this. I thought, well, I could type it up and hand it to you, but we're trying not to hand things to people right now. So I'm going to send it to you by email. Because it's important for us to cultivate weakness, to cultivate meekness in our lives, everyone. It's critical for us to do that. So as as I finish this morning, without putting the first three Beatitudes up on the screen, Let's say them together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the inheritance that you've given to us. Lavishing your great mercy on us. And even, Lord, when we've gone off track, you've gently led us back to the place we need to be. And we just ask that, that in our root system, in our soul, that we would carry the same spirit of meekness that Jesus carried for us to the cross. We ask you for that, Father, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand together and our worship team is going to come up, lead us in a song that that sings about the cross, which is totally appropriate for us to think about as we consider having a spirit of meekness. I want to invite you to put your hands out in front of you and just remind you this morning that as we look at the Beatitudes together, 
Sometimes it's easy to think, wow, there's just no way I could ever achieve those things. And I just want to remind you, it's not about achieving anything. It's about receiving His strength and His direction. And as your hands are extended as a a posture of surrender to the Lord, I just want to remind you of this passage in Hebrews that says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who were poor in spirit and who mourned and who were meek and hungered and thirsted after righteousness, because of that cloud of witnesses that's watching us, let us throw off everything that hinders and, so, and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the Father, at the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition with great meekness from sinners just like us so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so, Father, I pray for everyone this morning to have an enlarged vision of who Jesus is in their lives and bless them as you turn your face to them with a greater measure of grace and as you shine the light of the countenance of your face on them Let them experience a greater sense of mercy so that instead of being weary, they walk into this week strengthened because of the Spirit of Jesus in them. And I pray these things in His name. Amen.